Welcome to Secrets True Crime. I am your host, Amber Sitton. What is done in darkness will eventually come to light. That is the purpose of this podcast, to shine light on the story of Susan Osborne and her 14-year-old son, Evan Chartrand. They vanished from their home in the tiny Alabama community of Holtville on Memorial Day in 2017. They haven't been seen or heard from since, and their bodies have never been found. This is episode two of a serial podcast with each episode building upon the previous. If you have not listened to episode one, please stop and listen to it first, or you probably won't understand what's happening in this episode. Listener discretion is advised. While you won't find foul language in this podcast, the subject matter may involve violence, sexual content, murder, and adult themes. It's not suitable for younger listeners. While this was mentioned in episode one, I want to note it again. Susan also has a 10-year-old daughter. Because of her age, I will not be naming her, and she will come up in this episode. I will refer to her as Susan's daughter whenever possible, but when someone uses her name in the audio, it will be bleeped out. As episode one concluded, Susan and Evan had been missing for two months, and a missing persons report had just been filed. The investigators went to the home where Susan and Evan lived with Susan's husband, Jerry Osborne. When investigators arrived, they found Jerry cleaning. You are going to hear a lot of details from the investigators, Captain Ogden and Lieutenant Evans, Susan's best friend, Holly, and her sister-in-law, Melissa. Here are the investigators. Family did the report July 29th, 2017 requesting a welfare check. It had been approximately two months since they had spoke with uh, Susan Osborne. The report was done over the weekend, so when we came in the following Monday is when we received the report to investigations. Based on the initial report, it wasn't overly concerning because there were a few things that were misconstrued as far as we were under the impression that she had left in the vehicle. Myself and Lieutenant Evans went to the residence where she resided when we pulled up her vehicle that we were in the impression that she had left and was in the driveway. Once we made contact with Jerry and realized she wasn't there, but the vehicle was kind of snowballed from there. And we realized that it was probably more in depth than we imagined because we, you have to realize we, we get missing persons report two or three a week, probably. If not more. At least two to three. So it's, it's quite common to get these reports. That was probably the first major red flag. You both went to the house the first time? No, first mm-hmm. contact, yes, ma'am. What was he doing when you arrived? Cleaning. Holly told me she thought this was odd. For one thing, he never cleaned. Susie did all the cleaning. He didn't clean. The investigators asked where Susan and Evan were, and Jerry told them that they had left with an unknown man driving a pickup truck. He said the man had a beard, sunglasses on, and was about six feet tall. Jerry said he never left the house. He watched them and the man leave through a small, low-quality monitor for his home surveillance system. The investigators weren't sure how he was able to give such a good description of the man since he also said the man never got out of his truck. Susan's family and friends are unshakable in their belief that Susan would have never left her daughter behind. 
Also, Holly had spoken on the phone to Susan the day before their disappearance and had texted with her until late in the afternoon on the day of their disappearance. She didn't take her car. She didn't take any money out of their joint bank account. She had no job, so she had no means to have a car or anything. And she wouldn't have just up and left like that. And she never would have left. I mean, she lived for those kids and she never would have left her. So she would have told me. Remember in episode one, Lieutenant Evans also told us that Jerry was burning incense. And the smell was so overpowering that it was hard for them to even remain inside the home. But while he was there, something unusual caught his eye. So while we were there on the initial contact, Chief Ogden had taken him out back, and they were kind of just going through the burn pile. And I, just, I happened to notice that the bottom of the walls was not, it wasn't painted very well. It looked just shoddy uh, and fairly new residence. And I kind of thought that was odd. And then I kind of looked around a little bit, and you could see inside of a pantry, the door was open there. And from standing where I was at, then the kitchen area, you could see inside there, and there were several large, like five-gallon paint buckets in the pantry. And it began to register then that he had painted the residence. And we had talked to them. The mother had been there, Miss Anklum, on Mother's Day weekend, so just a few weeks earlier. And she informed us that there was it was all hardwoods. There were hardwoods in the house, and when we got there, it was carpeted. That's right. Right. He took the hardwoods out. Right. He took the hardwoods out and replaced the hardwoods with carpeting, which is very odd. Were the hardwoods throughout, or was there already carpet in the bedrooms? It was still carpeted in the bedroom. So they, I don't think that was replaced. The whole house, the entire house was not redone. I think it was mainly just the living area. Sometime in the two months following Susan and Evan's disappearance, Jerry had completed a pretty big remodeling project. Lieutenant Evans told me Jerry had done an extensive amount of work. It's not often that you hear someone removes hardwood flooring to replace it with carpet. I have a background in real estate, and I know this is a quick way to decrease your property value. Most people complete home improvement projects to increase the value of their home. When the investigators asked Jerry for the reason behind all the remodeling he'd done, he told them that before she and Evan left, Susan had spray-painted vulgar graffiti on both the walls and floors. One of my first thoughts when I heard this was if it was true, why hadn't he taken photos of the damage? I sure would have. If his wife had just left him for another man, you'd have to think he was at least considering that a divorce was on the horizon. Photos of that alleged damage would have been helpful in court. But as Captain Ogden and Lieutenant Evans began to investigate, they found that this claim of Jerry's had a couple inconsistencies. He had told several neighbors that. He had told other people in the community. But it was always the paint color would be different uh, when he would tell the story to one person. I'm not sure if the wording was ever different, but I know for sure at some point the paint colors were different. We specifically asked him, the first contact we asked, well, when she took all the property, did she do any damage to the residence? Did she tear up anything? And he said no. And then he came back and said that she had spray painted on the walls and the floors. And then through the course of interviewing neighbors, family, they conveyed to us that she had done damage according to him. 
which, as he said, is a direct contradiction to what he told us upon first contact. Holly and Melissa have been adamant that this is not something Susan would have done. They both said it just wasn't her personality. Yeah, and I don't believe that for one second either. She's not the vindictive type. Uh, since she would have been the type, I want nothing from you. You know, get our, our clothes and get out of here. That's it. I said, plus, she likes everything clean. I said, she is not the type, does not want stuff messed up. That's not her. I was also informed that he changed the story of the spray paint so he couldn't even keep that story straight. He told one person it was one color spray paint, another person it was another color. The investigators continued to ask Jerry for more details regarding Susan and Evan supposedly leaving with another man. And... Did he say that she left with nothing, or did she take any belongings with no, her at she, that time? At that time, she basically just left with clothes on her back, her and her son both. Did he ever see her again? He never saw her. I think he did say he went to his parents that on Memorial Day. Then he came back home that night. Then, according to him, he left again the next morning, went back to his parents' house, and pretty much stayed there all day and came home that night, and at some point she must have returned and completely cleaned the house out. Took all the furniture, all her belongings, all Evan's belongings, everything that was in the residence, supposedly they took within a day. Did he have any reason for why she didn't take her car with her? He said it was his car, like it was his car. Mm -hmm. He actually is in his name. So he said that he went to his parents on Memorial Day, after she left, and that he went back the next day. Did the parents confirm that? No. I believe there was some time discrepancies. Between what they said the and parent, what The parents, he was there. The parents did say he was there, but the times he left, I believe, were different than what he told us. Holly took exception to Jerry's claims about the furniture. I told the detective, I said, no, she didn't. I said, I know you don't know Susie, but I do. I said, if she took any furniture out of that house, the only furniture she would have took would have been the kids' furniture. I said, everything else, she would have said, I want nothing from you. I said, that's the type of person she was. She had no house to go to. Jerry still has her car. So where is all of her stuff? If Susan took all the furniture, as Jerry claimed, I wonder what the house looked like when the investigators arrived, so I asked them about it. There was very limited furniture in the house. There was some new furniture that had been purchased, not a lot. There was not a whole lot of furniture in the house at all, just like piecemealed together. Were there beds? I don't even think there was a bed. I think he was sleeping in that recliner in the back room, I believe. I don't think there was a bed. I know Evan's room was pretty much empty. Right. Well, that back bedroom, he had kind of turned into like a video game room. That's right. There was a recliner and That's a TV right. and some video games hooked up in there, which uh, that was the daughter's room. He had kind of set that up, like I said, to play video games in. And then he had purchased a couch and a television and an entertainment stand for the den. And I think there was a dresser in the master bedroom, and that was about it. Then they found Jerry had at least a couple burn sites in his backyard. One was a 55-gallon drum he used as a burn barrel, and the other was just a spot on the ground. This discovery uncovered a pretty significant lie. Were you able to find anything remaining in the burn pile? 
there was actually more than one site where he had been burning in the backyard in the Finston area. There was a burn barrel. If you're facing the house to the right of the property, it appeared. Wouldn't you say that was a burn pile over there? Too, oh, absolutely. Where the mattress was. Yes. Sir. So there, there were multiple spots where he had. It was obviously he'd been burning. The only thing still visible was like box springs, right? Like the metal springs. Right. There, was, there wasn't anything that. Uh, Everything else had been consumed. The neighbors commented about, you know, him burning for a significant period of time and the heat and the the extent of the of the fire that he had going over there. To some point, you know, the neighbors said it was so hot in their yard they could feel the heat from next door. Other neighbors described extremely thick and heavy smoke in the neighborhood for days and said it kept many of them from being able to go outside. Both Holly and Susan's sister-in-law, Melissa, offered me some additional details on these burn piles. When they discovered his burn pile and they found the springs and the inner components of a mattress in the burn pile, he then admitted that he burned Evan's bed. And then they found some more stuff like the drawer, you know, the side of the drawers and stuff, some metal pieces from other furniture in the pile also. And then he admitted he had burned a lot of the furniture. He, he had told them directly that he burned Evan's mattress. But I don't know for sure if they found other mattresses because that's what doesn't make sense. If your wife just left you for another man and you're mad at her, you're going to burn your own mattress, not the child's mattress. So none of that adds up. So then evidently, you know, they later on started finding out and I guess doing more, more detective work that they started seeing after this original story, he told them that she took the furniture. Then they started, they found the burn piles and the remains of furniture pieces that he had burned, including Evan's mattress. And they said that they found some drawer slides. They looked like that was possibly from a dresser. So you mean to tell me your original story was that your wife left you for another man in Birmingham, so an, like an hour and a half, two hours away, however far from where they live, and then drove back the next day, supposedly, and supposedly took all this furniture out of the house but yet didn't take her car, didn't take any money out of the joint bank account, took nothing else whatsoever. Yes, I find that very hard to believe. But then yet you find that Evan's mattress is burnt in the backyard or in the, in the side yard, wherever it was found, and other furniture pieces were burnt. Well, thought he said he, that they originally took it. So it's like, can't even keep his story straight on that. In their initial visit to Susan and Jerry's home, investigators had made quite a few suspicious discoveries. You've heard that Jerry was able to give a fairly detailed description of the man he claimed Susan and Evan left with, including his height, even though Jerry said the man never exited his vehicle and Jerry only saw him through a small, low-quality monitor for his home surveillance system. In the last episode, you also heard that Jerry provided investigators with a dentist bill for Evan as proof that Susan and Evan were okay. Investigators verified the same day that the bill was actually for not showing up for Evan's scheduled appointment that was two days after their disappearance. Jerry originally stated that Susan did not damage anything when she left, but a short time later, he changed the story to claim she had spray painted vulgarities on the walls and hardwood floors. 
He said this is why he needed to renovate their home. He reportedly told this story to numerous people, but changed the color of paint she used several times. He stated she'd returned to take all the furnishings, but none of the neighbors have ever reported seeing a moving truck. A short time later, during this initial visit, when the investigators discovered burned remains of mattresses and such, he changed his story and admitted he'd burned the mattresses and furniture. Jerry told the investigators he'd spent a lot of time at his parents' house on Memorial Day and the following day. When the investigators spoke with his parents, they found the timelines didn't match up. That's at least six discrepancies in Jerry's story. And when added to the fact that Jerry remodeled his home that was only five years old, immediately following the disappearance of Susan and Evan, investigators were hopeful they'd be able to obtain a search warrant. Then they received a call from Holly, and Holly had some shocking information that would change everything. Susan had discovered that Jerry was keeping some pretty big secrets, and she had confided in her best friend. The next morning I was at work, that's when I called the detective and talked to them. I started explaining to him about the emails and just even some of the information on you. And when I was at work, so I couldn't stay on the phone real long, I said, let me just give you a little brief synopsis right now and tell you more when I get off of work. I said, but something's happened to them. And he said, what makes you think that? And I was trying to explain to him why I think that. I said, you know, she wouldn't just up and disappear like this. She would have told me, she would have called me. I said, and she wouldn't have left. January of 2016, me and her were texting one day because we text or talked on the phone most every day. There was not very often we did not talk. She sent me a text and said, what's your email address? So I sent her my email address and she said, I'm about to send you an email. Don't talk about it through text. I said, okay. Didn't think anything of it. The first email she sent me was a screenshot of emails, messages between him and other men that she found in his email. It was kind of unclear what I was looking at because it was just kind of a screenshot of the subject lines and things like that. I messaged her back and said, okay, what am I supposed to be looking at? What is this? She said, oh, I'm sorry. She said, let me send you the link and let me explain to you a little more. So she sends me this other email and she said, my husband's cheating on me with men. I said, excuse me? She said, um... She said, the first message I sent you are screenshots of messages between him and other men. I said, do you know for a fact it is what you think it is? She said, yes, 100%. And then that's when she sent me the link. This link, I click on this link, and it was a gay escort page. that was called boyescort.com. And it pulled up a picture of him. And he is, it's a picture from behind, and he is sitting up on his knees. It looks like probably a hotel room. And you can see his tattoos on his back. He's got a gift bow on his right butt cheek. And it has a paragraph describing what he would do for whatever man he meets in detail. Very disgusting detail. And has his phone number in there. That was his phone number that he currently had at the time. But this gay escort page that she found was dated back from August of 2011 when he lived in Colorado and was still in the military at that time. So, and that's the comment she made to me. She said, as embarrassing as it is and shocking and hurtful and everything that it is, she said, at least I know I didn't make him gay. At least I know it was going on before I met him. And she said, I just still can't believe it. 
And I said, does he know that you know? She said, no. She said, right. She said, I've got to play my cards right. I've got to find a job. I've got to get insurance for the kids. I can't let him know. She said, because I don't know what he might do. And she said, I'm going to have to get everything lined up and get a job before I can get out of here. So the the messages back and forth between him and a man, was it one man or multiple men? The the screenshot she sent me, it was about five or six different men. Were those from 2011 or were those recent? Those were 2015 and 16 while they were married. Those were current. And she had even told me when she sent me those first emails She said, there's a lot more than that. She said, I have so much information already. She said, I've been doing research for a few months. Holly was stunned when Susan shared Jerry's secrets with her. She asked Susan what had made her suspicious enough of him to begin that research. Susan told her Jerry had started working a lot and taking on double shifts. Jerry is an Air Force veteran, and at that time, he still worked on the Air Force base as a civilian employee. Susan told Holly that they didn't need the extra money, so she couldn't understand why Jerry was suddenly working all these extra shifts. Then one day, Susan needed to reach Jerry while he was working one of these extra shifts. But when she called, she was told he wasn't working that day. She tried calling his mobile phone, and he didn't answer. Now she was suspicious. As Jerry continued to claim he was working extra shifts, Susan would call his work and ask for him and found that time after time, Jerry wasn't working as he'd claimed. So she said, it started becoming very frequent. She said, that's when I started, you know, searching the emails and things like that and finding these emails that he had going on. And, and she was very good with computers, so she could find a lot of things on computers. And she said, you know, somehow she had, I guess, started Googling his name and, you know, searching emails and everything. And she had found somehow like this um, other emails, I guess, other email account he he had. And that's how she found these other, these email strings he was had going on through Craigslist. I think he was meeting a lot of these men and these dating sites or something. And then she started finding out even that he was getting the burner phones because he would buy all these burner phones, I guess, to use for these these gay men he was meeting up with, evidently. He would have these these burner phones shipped to the house, expecting her not to find it. So she started finding them. He would hide them in his truck and things like that. And, and so she started finding these packages with these burner phones in his truck. Well, she started hiding them or throw them away. She would hide these phones. So she said, of course, he couldn't ask me, hey, baby, did I get a package today? Anything like that, because he's like, I'm you know, he's like, well, tell me, hey, I ordered a burner phone. She said, I'm just throwing them away. She said, I just keep throwing them away or I'm hiding them or whatever. So he has, he buys new ones. She says, I'm finding these phones left and right that he keeps buying with these burner phones. And this was after she found the emails and found out what was going on. So she knew why he was doing it. She said, I'm just going to make him keep spending money, I guess. She said, because he, he keeps buying them. And she could see on their bank account, she could go online and see on the bank account all this stuff he was ordering. According to Holly, Susan immediately went to her doctor to be tested for STDs. At least by mid-2016, Holly knows she had stopped sleeping in the bed with Jerry. Susan and Evan were taking a trip to Texas to visit Susan's mom, Linda Anklum, in July of 2016. Susan told Holly Jerry asked Susan why she would no longer sleep in the bed with him. 
when he questioned her about not sleeping in the bed with him, she didn't go into detail to him how much she knew. She named off, I guess, a few of the guys that she found the email strings between with him. And she said, does any of those ring a bell? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And she even started bringing up dates that in the emails, it would say that they had met up or the dates of the emails. And she told me, she said, I have so much information. And she said, there's no telling what he would do if he knew how much I found out. She said, so I have to be very careful. I asked her, I said, what did he say when you told him those names and everything? She said, I didn't go into detail. I didn't say anything other than the names and dates. So she said, he just enough for him to know that I knew something. She said, so he handed me $500 and told me to go shopping while I was in Texas. And we kept saying, I love you, baby. I love you. I didn't, no, baby. No, I love you. I love you. She said, so it was like he didn't want to be found out. And it's like he had two separate lives he was leading. Holly shared all this information with the investigators. She had kept all the emails Susan sent her, and she forwarded them to Lieutenant Evans. Maybe Jerry didn't realize Susan had revealed his secret to Holly. With all this information from Holly and what they discovered at Jerry's house, investigators were able to obtain a search warrant. What would they find when they returned to Jerry's home? Join us next time on Secrets True Crime. Thank you for listening. If you are enjoying this podcast, please let us know by giving us a great rating and review in Apple Podcast. If you have any information that could help in solving the disappearance of Susan Osborne and Evan Chartrand, please call the Elmore County Sheriff's Office at 334-567-5546. You may also email me at secretstruecrime at gmail.com. I'm active on social media and often share photos of Susan and Evan. Follow Secrets True Crime on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Secrets Crime.